Welcome to Asbury Pod with Amy Quinn and Joe Walsh. This week, we welcome Christian Fuscarino, Executive Director of Garden State Equality, and we discuss how the COVID crisis has affected GSE's operation and what lies ahead as the state reopens. Welcome, Christian. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the Deputy Mayor of the City of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official City of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Welcome, listeners. It's June 25th, and you are listening to, I think it's episode 30 of Esbury Pod, Joe? Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I'm not really good in math, but it's around that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I feel like there were ones that we, we, like, we didn't air women's convention, so that's like an episode that exists because we, we couldn't air it because we weren't having the event. Um, and then a and couple of the, them. The two episodes with Jess. Oh, and then that, there were two, I did two episodes with Jess, you know, Jess Christian, where we got drunk and we could not air those episodes twice. <laughs> okay. So I had to, I've instituted a rule, no drinking during the podcast. Uh, except for, for COVID, you, you now. Except for now, yeah, except, except for yeah, like yeah. the world is ending, so fuck it, let's just. <laughs> I'm going to have some Chardonnay. Um, and do you know what I, and this is the pathetic part of that, do you know what I got drunk on on one of those podcasts? Uh, what is this um, seltzer Oh, it's like it all the rave. White deer or something. White, white, claw. Um, white claw. Yes. So she brings white claw. I never, I never had drank it before. And I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not much of a, I, I like gin, but I'm not a huge, um, not that that's hard liquor, but not, I'm not like, a, I don't ever drink vodka. Um, and so I had, I don't know, three or 10 of them. And got, got yeah. You can wear it. They sneak up on you. Oh, is that Amy? Is that your? Is that the range you're sticking to? I had it somewhere between three and ten of them. <laughs> oh, um, so I uh, got to do two quick um, things, everybody. So Amy, how, you, how was your week? My week was uh, my week was okay. You know, I was talking to my friend Tom Pavinsky today um, from and Christian. I'm sure you feel the way, same way. From the pandemic to the civil unrest to the um, what was the most recent thing that happened that I've clearly blocked out? The pandemic. The oh, the indoor dining. So between like those three topics, I, there's like days where I'm so stressed out I can't eat, which is great because I put on 20, 19 pounds from COVID-19. Mm-hmm. Um, so between like those three hits, this week was finally a week where there was, we weren't full of drama. Um, mm-hmm. Not, and, and I don't want to say drama, drama is the wrong word, but like, I wasn't like completely stressed out. I, I couldn't, you know, I could, I went for a couple of runs and I could, you know, get my bearings together this week. So um, just all three of those on top of each other. I'm really looking forward. I'm sure you as well for quieter times, looking forward to quieter times. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, substantial change taking place, not only in the Asbury park area, but in the state of New Jersey 
and across the country. Um, but we, you know, and I'm sure we're going to dive into some of those topics, but I just got to say, um, we are so lucky to have Tom here in Asbury park, uh, and his committee that beautifies the city. Uh, every time I turn a corner and I see something new, I think about how grateful we are to have someone who goes around and, and adds so much beauty to our town. Mind you, the guy's like 80. I mean, he's got energy. He's got more energy than the three of us put together. And he's like legit, you know, nearing 80. So Christian, oh, Christian God, I had the same him. thought today. I was, I went for a run and I uh, passed one of the, the gardens that they tend over by um, the boat launch on Deal Lake. Yes. Uh, and I, I just stopped. I was like, yeah, this is really nice, you know, that we have this. And we've had Tom on the, on the podcast recently and uh, right before the lockdown actually. And um, so now I'm, now I'm hyper aware of all the work he's done. I had vaguely had known what he had done, but now, but this morning, yeah, I was just running past it and I was like, this is really just a nice little corner of the, of Asbury park. And um, uh, anyway, that was me agreeing with you. I didn't mean, you know, I had nothing. Uh, yeah. And you know, the, we're, the garden state equality offices are over by the boat launch. Um, so we get to see those daily over there. And um I, you know, I can't keep the flowers alive in my front lawn in a much smaller garden bed than the garden beds he's planting all around town. Also, whenever I plant plants next to each other, weeds will grow in uh, through the mulch and overtake the plants within like a few days. And so it always amazes me that he'll plant these long strips with all his volunteers. And then like three weeks later, they're not full of weeds. Like they really know how to create something beautiful and then maintain it um, effortlessly, which, which I'm sure a lot of effort goes into it. But as someone who can't even keep weeds out of uh, the spaces between the hydrangeas, I don't know how they do it. Amy, we should have Tom on like, you know, tips from Tom. We should totally have tips from Tom. And I don't know if you know this Christian, but Tom's the entire reason I'm involved in politics, right? So um, I'm going to tell the really abbreviated version of this story, but I got involved in politics because Inner Lincoln had gassed a bunch of their geese I had freaked out about it. He calls me, I didn't know who he was. This is probably 15 years ago. And he's like, instead of like complaining, why don't you get on the environmental commission and help us? And I did, and, and still on the environmental commission and still friends with Tom who married me. Um, so yeah, he is, he is, he is it, well, good, bad or indifferent. He's the reason I'm involved in politics. So he plants, he plants many seeds is what you're saying. He plants many seeds. So, <laughs> some are good, some debatable. We'll, so it's, it's Tom's yeah. fault, really. So. Um, so anyway, I just have to do this PSA. Uh, July 7th, your vote by mail ballots have to be postmarked by July 7th. This was my first time do, I did it today. First of all, that, it, it doesn't come naturally to me to vote by mail and nor putting that thing together, which is like a, a small Rubik's cube, but um, I did, I did get it done today. Um, and everybody should know that Asbury is going to have one, one in, you know, with 16,000 people, one voting location where you'd be going in and essentially doing provisionals. You're not going to, you know, you're not going to get to a booth. So, and I didn't even realize this. I was telling Joe till a couple of days ago, I texted John or I called John Moore and I was like, you know, I'm just going to go to the booth and then I'll, I'll vote in the machine. And he's like, dumbest idea ever, Amy, don't you read anything? And then I realized that, that we weren't going to have any booths that you could actually vote in. So anyway, I did the vote by mail today. 
Um, I begrudgingly voted for Joe Biden, but I hope he wins. I would have loved to vote for Elizabeth Warren or Pete Christian um, or Harris or Gillibrand or a lot of other people, but I voted for Biden and I'm fingers crossed he wins. And I also voted for John Moore and Jesse Riggs for committee members. So everybody should vote down the ballot. And what else did I do? Oh, today I did the LD recovery meeting, which you probably, you would have to know more about state politics than I know, because I don't know anything about state politics. So I'm on this LD recovery meeting that Vin created, and it's Steve Sweeney on it, who I don't really know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I've met him over, over the years. And they're giving Asbury lots of accolades for the, for the indoor dining um, stand we took. But I, I kept thinking I was mishearing him because he kept being like, he, somebody says something like, well, why are they opening this and not that? And he's like, because the governor doesn't know what he's doing. And I was like, am I and then he just proceeded to spend the entire LD11 meeting bashing the governor and saying, Dad, it doesn't drive anything. The guy doesn't know what. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I knew they didn't love each other, but I don't, I don't know the dynamics of Trenton politics at all. I know Asbury Park politics. So I'm on this and he's essentially just like, it's all a bunch of bullshit. Um, so I just, you know, kept quiet and took the accolades for the indoor dining and then, and then moved on. But you probably know these guys way better than I do. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that you, um, uh, underestimate how much you know and how well you are able to navigate, uh, politics. And I, I, you know, I've said this many times to you, I, I look forward to the day that, um, you continue to move up. Uh, the ranks of politics because we need more down-to-earth leaders like you uh, representing us. Um, you know, what I'll say about Governor Murphy, and I, and I know this is not necessarily what you've asked me, but I, I uh, have been watching. <laughs> you have an, I do have a smartphone and I have social media, so I, it's not lost on me that folks are upset. I think like, you know, and you get this, Amy, um, and, and Joe, I'm sure you understand too, yeah. leadership is hard. And you get blamed a lot of times for things that you are not even responsible for. And so I'm not saying that the governor is not responsible for the people of New Jersey. Obviously he is, that is his job, but he's being blamed for the fact that we have a pandemic right now. He's being blamed that we need to uh, enact safeguards to not become more sick. And uh, he's being blamed that businesses need to be closed in order to slow the spread. Um, and yeah, he makes those decisions, but those decisions are being made by something that he cannot control. And I think that's what people forget a lot when they, when they criticize him and they're upset and they have the right to be upset. I mean, I, I run a nonprofit organization that has taken a substantial hit since the pandemic started. And so I can, I can only begin to imagine what it's like for small businesses, especially restaurants. Um, which operate on such small margins. I mean, you know this with the liquor licenses here in Asbury Park. If you don't have a liquor license, you're not, uh, uh, you know, turning a, a huge profit. You're not becoming a millionaire off of just selling cheeseburgers on the boardwalk. So um, already operating on small margins and then having to be closed for months on end. I understand their frustration. I understand that they passionately want to uh, advocate for themselves and, and, and the governor gets that he is standing between businesses reopening 
and a virus that could have been much, much worse uh, than it was. And it was already pretty bad. Like we can't forget how many lives have been lost uh, in our state, uh, especially a state as densely populated as New Jersey, 9 million people positioned between Philadelphia and New York City. Many of those people in the beginning going into work on mass transit systems. This is like on on any other place in the nation. Um, so yeah, he, he needed to come down firm. And you know, I, I'm I'm married to a U.S. Marine who cannot wait to get back into the gym. Um, but at the same time, you have to understand moving going into some of these gyms and breathing really heavy and putting those those uh, particles into the air is probably one of the most unsafe situations. So. We just have to like, you know, take a breath, um, understand where people are coming from because no one should be upset with the businesses who are expressing their concerns and are upset, but understand that it's an all around difficult situation. I, I agree, Christian, totally. The, the data about inside transmission is damning. Right? And so how do you move forward with that in a way that doesn't piss it? Like, there's just no way to be, um, there's no way to do it without hurting some businesses, right? You have to, this balance of how do you, you move through an uncertain situation. But the one thing you do know is time and exposure um, and inside is a lot more uh, deadly than outside. So it's a tough, yeah, nobody likes the boss, nobody likes the boss, right? You know, but I do know the Steve Sweeney thing. I would say this, it's the one thing about New Jersey politics, nobody, the only people in New Jersey who hate Democrats more than Republicans are other Democrats. Like we, those are liberals. Um, we're really good about burning down our own house. <laughs> yeah, this was like such a. I mean, Sweeney seems like such a character. And and what I'll say about like the indoor dining was one. It's complicated. The pandemic's complicated on a local level, on a county level, on a nonprofit level, on a. Joe works at, uh, works for Rutgers. So I, it's completely complicated. Um, and I acknowledge that. And I voted for Murphy. So, you know, want to be clear on that and thought he did, uh, you know, uh, parts of this, I think he's done a, a, an amazing job. Parts of it, you know, the executive, the vagueness of the executive, executive orders could use, could use a little bit of work. But, you know, what we were really seeking the entire time was just guidance, right? So, our restaurants didn't want to have a run on buying these partitions for indoors. And they just, you know, if you even, you know, and we had some restaurants that said, e if you're not going to, and, and Tides is one who, who, you know, Christian, like, just, are you going to let us open indoors? Cause if you are, then I need to plan for that. If you're not, then I need to buy 200 more tables. Right. So these were calls that we were constantly getting. So this wasn't necessarily about indoor dining. It was about getting direction to, these businesses, and I said this on interview after interview, these are not Ruby Tuesdays, these are not, right? These are not, um, anyway, these are local businesses. And Joe is giving me a warning that we've, we're like 15 minutes in and we haven't even gotten to Christian yet. Yeah, I'll okay. just say, welcome to Azure Pod. Um, who's our guest? <laughs> yeah, so Christian, can you, can you say who you are? Talk a little bit about your organization? Sure. We go off on tangents? Sure. And, um, and I just want to say, because I did speak on it, um, there's absolutely not enough relief programs for these small businesses. So anyone involved should be speaking to your local elected officials, your state representatives, and letting them know how hard it is right now for these small businesses. There's not enough resources. 
Um, and no loans. My businesses right. don't want, you know, everybody's paying back Sandy loans. Nobody wants a goddamn loan, right. people. You got, you, got to, you got to figure something else other than the loans. No, loan, loans are not going to help. Loans are not going to help. So I just want to put that out there. Like, we definitely need that support. Um, my name's Christian Fuscarino. I'm the executive director at Garden State Equality. <laughs> um, we are New Jersey's LGBTQ organization. Uh, we're about 15 years old now. I, I think that most people that listen know who Garden State Equality is. Mm-hmm. Um, way back, uh, you know, before um, the influx, the, the one of the, I guess, second, third, fourth waves of Asbury Park Garden State Equality had their offices in Asbury, um, a satellite office in um, the lower level of the um, arcade. Uh, the arcade. Does that right? make sense? Is that was that Goldstein's? Yeah. Time? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I never was there. I, I've only been with the organization for four years, but um, I, you know, I just always like to mention, like, we didn't just come into town because now, you know, I star Madison Marquette and a bunch of other businesses are here. Um, there's always been a deep connection to Asbury Park and because of the LGBTQ population. And I hope we can talk a little bit about LGBTQ history in Asbury on this podcast as well. Cause we totally, yeah, I loved, I love talking about the long history uh, of the LGBTQ community here. So we moved our offices to Asbury about um, three and a half years ago. I think it was from Montclair, right? From Montclair. We still have a small satellite office in Montclair for any North Jersey people listening to this podcast. We have not abandoned you completely. Um, Although physical presence, like as we are learning right now with not doing anything in person, it doesn't matter. The work is happening all over the state in every County. We're in, we're in, we're in as many school districts as we can. We're working with as many hospital systems. It doesn't matter where our physical office is. Although it's pretty cool that our physical office is in Asbury Park and we love being here. Um, our and staff- also you're next to Frank's Deli, which I feel like how you, I would be eating in there all day long, all day long. Frank's invented COVID-19, uh, the, the, the gain, weight gain long before uh, I, had, <laughs> right. I, had, I, I had gotten that 19 pounds before COVID started for Frank's. So um, yeah, and, and great people too, right? Uh, Oh, such good. Yeah, very good. And long time. We call them old time Asbury. It's oh, sure. John. Moore. It's not my base. It's John Moore's base, but it's old time Asbury, who, yeah. who we joke all the time that um, that base comes out to vote for John Moore. It could be a blizzard and they and they could be, you know, disabled, but they will get out to vote for uh, John Moore, who is also old time Asbury. Yeah. Um, so fo- talk- I'm sorry, Amy. I want no, to go say- ahead. I want to say one thing about uh, follow up on one thing Christian said. A testimony to you know the uh, Garden State Equality's reach. I mean, it's not geographically limited to, to Asbury. Is that list of two hundred and twenty-two laws you have on your website, right? And the, it covers the whole state. If you start looking at the districts that you've that you've uh, worked in and successfully um, passed uh, legis- L- you know LGBTQ positive legislation, that's a pretty impressive record not even just like the number but you know when i was going through it today in terms of research you know there are some towns and districts i hadn't even heard of in jersey before so you, you know the really the 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 breadth of coverage uh that garden state equality has demonstrated already is pretty impressive uh um, you know um you know montclair and asbury park aside right um i'm sorry amy i cut you off there before i didn't mean to do that 
That's okay. I ran and got wine anyway, Joe. I wasn't listening. <laughs> um, and my be- one of my best childhood friends, Emily, lives in Montclair, who I've known for great city you know a lot a lot of cities around the state um claim to have didn't uh have done the first uh gay marriage ceremony um asbury park is one of those uh cities as you know oh i claim it i claim it i'm pretty sure we weren't but i claim it (laughs) it's been great um coming into this role and just like going around the state and everyone you know pulling me aside and going um, you know, our wedding was the first gay marriage that took place in the state because it happened at midnight, um, but it happened in a lot of places. Montclair, too, um, which is a very LGBTQ friendly city, but um, far behind Asbury. They just now elected their first openly LGBTQ uh, council person. Oh, wow. um, so they are they're playing catch up in a lot of ways to Asbury. But great downtown area, great uh, great business community, great diversity, um, and so you know we, we love being up there uh, too in that community. Um, yeah. So, Christian, we did. We're doing like this whole COVID. Um, so we started this podcast to try to humanize city employees because people scream at them all day. Um, but during COVID, we were like, oh, let's um, highlight um, anyone from Senator Gopal to uh, fulfill Kim Guadano to um, Garrett Guyberson Jr., who's the OEM director, and, and on and on. So we wanted to have you on because, one, it's Pride Month, um, although our, the quietest Pride Month I've ever been involved in in my 43 years of living. Um, and we wanted to talk to you a little bit about kind of how COVID has affected um, your, you know, day-to-day operations and and how its effect on Garden State Equality. And I have to bring up one uh, one thing you mentioned to me the other day where you were like, can you imagine if the pandemic didn't exist and we had the LGBTQ Supreme Court ruling not, you know, preventing discrimination during Pride Month? We It would have been just the biggest Pride ever. Yeah, so um, a lot to talk about. Um, and I'm so glad that this June is not the biggest pride ever, right? There are so many important conversations taking place around our nation right now for us to be tone deaf and celebrating in fields and parks and not showing up uh, where we need to be at rallies and protests and having those important conversations. I think it would reflect really poorly. So I'm, I'm so glad to see um, fewer uh, celebrations and more in-depth conversations. And if you look at a lot of LGBTQ organizations from across New Jersey and, and up and down the coast, you'll see they're, they're doing a lot of online virtual events, but uh, around racial justice, talking about uh, how racism exists at every level within our government. And um, that makes me so happy. I'm glad it's not a bunch of Zooms about flag raisings and sidewalks being painted rainbow and, um, you know, uh, rainbow converses. This is is not the year for that. There there will be other years for that. But, you know, and then we had a ruling from the Supreme Court, which is such a big victory. You can't not recognize that that was such a a momentous day for our community. And um, I think that we did a good job celebrating 
at the same time recognizing how much work needs to be done. Um, and so I'm really, I'm really proud of our community. You know, there's some, there's some folks out there, you know, saying no pride, no justice. And I couldn't agree more with that sentiment. And, and we've been trying to do everything that we are, we, we are, we're doing around pride to be focused through that lens. Um, but yeah, Amy, you're right. Like if this was uh, just another June and that ruling came out, I know you hear a lot of fireworks going off right now around town, but um, it, it would be rainbow fireworks at pride for that kind of decision to be made. Uh, such such an important step forward. And, and not just for what that means, but means uh, uh, for that ruling, but um, the language that was used in the decision. And so how it's going to help um, uh, dismantle any of the Trump administration's decisions to restrict rights for transgender individuals because they have clearly defined uh, what uh, sex and gender mean um, and that you cannot be discriminated on those basis. Uh, unfortunately, and a lot of people have asked this, well, what does this mean for transgender folks serving in the military? Um, and it doesn't mean anything, unfortunately, because the military is kind of its own beast. Um, and I, I hope that, um, that can, that can, we can, we can get out in November and, and elect a president that will ensure that transgender people are respected and valued in our service and, and, and kind of get us back on the right track that, uh, we've been taken off of because of the current administration. Russell Lewis, my neighbor's texting me about speeding. <laughs> why I, why I looked away for a minute. The one thing I will say about the Supreme Court ruling is um, New Jersey already had protections um, for the LGBTQ community going back all the way, and you would probably know this better than me, Christian, but to the 1960s or 70s. So the, the, we have the New Jersey Law Dis Against Discrimination, which is a great law. Um, it, I, I uh, am not, I'm not going to have the years right here, but it was in the 90s and early 2000s where oh, sexual orientation and gender identity were added. Uh, and I am not uh, confident enough to give everyone the exact year. Um, well, you were closer than me. I was like nine years old at the time, but um, it's such an important, such an important uh, moment for New Jersey because that everything falls back on that law. It's such a great law. And I think, um, I know, so I listened to a bunch of podcasts describing um, that ruling and, and, and one, the, the really poignant letter of the trans woman who was fired from the, um, from the place that she worked that kind of kickstarted it, um, which is probably one of the most, uh, a letter that she wrote on and off for years. So um, that, that was really interesting to me. But um, what I thought was so great was that this wasn't a close ruling, right? This was, you know, a conservative chief, chief justice Roberts and Gorsuch, I'm going to say this guy's name wrong, but Gorsuch um, supporting um, the idea that the LGBTQ community should be uh, not discriminated against at work. That was um, mind boggling. And when I was listening to these podcasts, both the people, part of the representation of, of uh, the plaintiffs in it were also did not, I don't think anybody thought the ruling, I think everybody was up in air on how that ruling was going to go. I don't think anyone thought they had it in the bag. Well, it's hard, it's, it's hard to feel like, Gors I'm sorry, it's hard to feel like Gorsuch is actually an ally, right? So there's, you know, he's... Well, that was puzzling. Roberts, well, I feel like... 
Well, I think they were both going following some technical arguments, right? So I think they, if they wanted to, if they, I think they would have found a way to rule against it if they didn't, you know, but if they were, you know, if, um, if it was just up to their opinion, but I think the one thing, I, I'm not a lawyer, but the one, some of the comments I read uh, from Gorsuch's decision was very narrow, narrow or a very technical discussion of the intent of the law and things like that, rather than what we would think is just like, well, obviously let's extend the benefits of liberty to humans, right? Which is what we want. But, you know, so it's interesting that it came from him. uh, And I'm just suspicious, right? A little like, who is this guy? Right. So, uh, um, but Christian, you probably have a better take on it than I did. uh, I do. So I, I, again, I, I I trampled on your start there. No, no, I was just going to agree with what's being said is uh, this, we are like one justice away from this turning really bad for our country. Um, It's so important for the Supreme Court to have balance. And I think that we saw a fair ruling because um, there are justices that are conscious of the importance of that balance. Um, Also, the ruling was the most American ruling that there could have been. And uh, no one should be discriminated against simply because of who they are. Like if we can't do that right in America, the land of liberty and justice, then, then how can we expect the rest of the world to get that right? And so I'm really pleased with the decision. I, I, obviously, I think it's the right decision. I'm biased in saying that, but um, I, I fear thinking of what another four years of Donald Trump will do to the Supreme Court. And Christian, um, I got to start getting to some of the questions that we have for you. So your your day, how has COVID affected a garden state equality? I would, you know, is it affecting your regular amount of donations, or is it affecting your actual? Is your staff like struggling through it? So talk talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, so we're not immune to what everyone is going through right now. Um, we survive off donations. And if people are having uh, uh, employment issues and uh, their income is down, then we're not going to receive that income. Uh, then we're not going to see, receive their donations. And the same is for corporate sponsorships. A lot of companies have been affected by COVID and the ones that have enough financial means are reinvesting that to addressing COVID, understandably. Um, I want to talk, it's important, I want you to know about Garden State Equality and and how we're financially hit by not having our Equality Ball and Equality Walk, but I want to talk a little broader for as far as the nonprofit landscape and what folks should be thinking about as we move into the next year. Right now, most nonprofits that have full-time employees were able to apply for PPP, and they'll be able to get forgiveness on that money. So... Uh, rent, uh, payroll, that can all be forgiven for the three months that uh, uh, PPP covers. So we're not seeing the Facebook posts from nonprofits and the emails that say, sorry, we have to shut our doors because financially it's just too hard to, to continue. So let's, COVID started, PPP went into effect. We're going to assume that most healthy nonprofit organizations have a three to six month burn rate in the best case scenario. Not always the case, but most healthy nonprofits will have a three to six month program. That puts us into December, January, 2021. There's still a ton of folks who are unemployed. 
those unemployment benefits are going to end. The workforce is not going to return right away. So for all the nonprofits in January, February, March, that is when we're going to start seeing the impact and how hard it is going to be to recover from this experience. Not all the nonprofits are going to shut their doors, but you can absolutely expect services to have to uh, decline uh, for staff to be reduced. And um, it's just a really all around unfortunate situation uh, that I, I, wish, I wish we didn't have to go through. Um, any nonprofits that receive state funding, they're going to receive budget cuts. We've already seen a 10% reduction in HIV and AIDS organizations. There might be more this fall. There's an article that just came out by Jay Lassiter on Insider NJ about that, um, which blows my mind. And I don't, I could go on and on, but it, you know, here's a group of people that are still living through a, a pandemic of uh, HIV and AIDS, losing an, almost an entire generation of people. They, many of them have compromised immune systems. So they are at a higher risk of contracting COVID-19 which we're currently living through. And now we're already reducing the funding to those organizations. And I'm going to tell you what I think is also similar. And then I'm going to, so every similar to nonprofits, every restaurant's telling me the same thing. Like I'll squeak by this summer, Amy, but come fall and winter, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to fold then. That's, that's likely when I'm going to fold. Especially in a short town, right? Mm -hmm. I think the downstream effects of this are, you know, people are not, the full effect of the economic disaster is not going to be felt till, as you mentioned, 2021, 2022, uh, and recovery, even in the wake of a, of a vaccine or some sort of suitable treatment is going to be um, delayed, right? And the nonprofits, Rutgers University, as big as Rutgers University is, it's a catastrophic loss of funding. So, you know, I don't speak for the university, but, you know, someone who works there, we're all cognizant of trees falling over, right? Or lights being turned out and people being furloughed and things like that. So it's a quite um, a fraught environment at the moment for um, everybody, right? It's nice, you know, luckily we're having a nice, we're having a nice summer right now and see what, you know, what does winter and uh, spring bring next year? And Christian, what would you say, one of the questions we got for you was, what are, what are the next big issues facing the LGBTQ community and, and, and the equality movement? And I think you've probably touched on a couple of them already. Yeah, so Garden State Equality was able to be a part of a, a task force last year that uh, examined what life is like for individuals of transgender experience in New Jersey. And the Transgender Equality Task Force, which is the first in the nation, uh, put out a report that has a lot of important findings. And uh, unfortunately, some of the legislative work around that has been put on hold because of COVID. And we have a legislature right now that understandably is, is trying to legislate a response to COVID. Um, we're hoping to pick up a lot of those items to improve the quality of life for transgender individuals in New Jersey. Um, our work right now, um, it ranges from working in schools on education and safe spaces to working in the health and wellness space. For our work in schools, right before COVID started, we were piloting LGBTQ inclusive curriculum 
And Asbury um, was one of your pilot um, Asbury was one of our pilot yes. schools. Which makes me like so, I know Asbury's school system gets beat up all the time and, and that's fine. But as somebody who has a kid actually in the school system, because most of the time it's beat up by people who don't have kids in the school system. But as somebody who actually has a kid in the school system um, and has had a wonderful experience in that school system, to know that, um, that our district took on being one of the pilots for the LGBTQ curriculum, I just, I feel like we, that never gets old to me. That always makes me proud. Totally, and and Asbury Park school system uh, should be praised so much more for the important work that is being done there. Um, and and I know that everyone operates on tight budgets, but I wish they had a, a endless supply to spend on PR because it's it's just it's a wrong perception. I, I'm so glad that you send your kids there uh, when we have our kids. Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to send them there when we can. Uh, get on the other side of the uh, Neptune Asbury line. Um, but, uh, um, you know, uh, that's that, that, that perception, those rumors, those conversations, that's racism. And that's kind of what this national conversation is about right now is why is, why do those perceptions exist? Um, why is, is, is funding that goes to, uh, uh, school districts in certain areas criticize more than funding that goes to school districts in, in, in other areas. Um, and so I, I'm seeing a lot of good change happen right now, um, but it's, it's not enough. And I hope that, I hope that it continue. I hope these important, difficult conversations continue to happen. And, and on the other side of this, maybe people will think twice before talking poorly about Asbury Park School District because they'll stop for a moment and think, wait, am I saying this because this is a perception that has been perpetuated by racist ideology? Absolutely. <laughs> I think that's absolutely what it is. Um, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, let's, let's just hit that one again. Um, and, and I'm gonna, I'm sure get in trouble for saying this and Joe may have to delete it, but, a number of um, white progressives in Asbury Park who talk really passionately about equality and about systemic racism. Um, and not just white, just progressives in Asbury, I should say in general, and inevitably don't send their kids to the Asbury Park School District. And I would argue that that is rooted in an unconscious racism. Um, so yeah, that's, um, that's my take on it. But anyway, I should, we should probably no, I think we should, on to less we, controversial topics. I, I think we leave that in because it's true. So, yeah. um, you know, you know, I have friends, you know, in New York City who were valedictorian or salutatorians and had very successful careers coming out of public high schools in New Jersey. But when they had to, in the city, uh, had kids and had the choice to send their kids um, to, to the public schools in New York, they did not, you know. So public school got us very successful. There's also, there's a class issue. Those of us that came out of public high school, um, if we end up, we just succeed, we end up in competing with for jobs that people went to private schools. And sometimes we feel this and so we, private schools are better. So there's another, you know, class and race are really um, show up in that a lot. You know, Asbury is one example of many across the country, right? New Jersey in particular with its hyper-local school districts is, it's, I think it's exacerbated more than we see in, 
in other states, I think. For sure, Joe. Um, anyone who sends their child to private school in New Jersey uh, is, is um, throwing away a great education. New Jersey has the number one public schools in the nation. That's out of 50 states. We are number one for public schools. Why on earth would you not send your children to the public schools? I, ju I just don't get that. Go, go live in another state, but why would, why would you not take advantage of, of what we have to offer in New Jersey? Uh, and, and, and those folks, unfortunately, and listen, there, there are unique circumstances for everybody's situation. I get there, there may be special circumstances to send your child to a public school, but, but too many people do it and then we have a class issue. We're, we're taking talented kids that could be working, sometimes talented children that could be working uh, with side by side other students in a school and learning about the importance of diversity uh, and they're being pulled out and sent to private schools. And here's what irritates me in Asbury is they preemptively do it, right? So let's say I send my kid to school up to third grade or whatever. And then I'm like, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not digging this teacher. I'm not digging this class. And I'm not getting whatever results I need to get to make me feel comfortable to continue sending my kid. Um, and you move, right? So, so you move your kid out of the school. I'm, I'm not saying I'm doing that. I'm just saying like there, there's something to be said to like, I tried this experience, it didn't work, and so I moved on. But what happens in Asbury is they just all preemptively do it. There's no trying the experience. It's, it's, you preemptively have moved your kid um, for a wide range of reasons that people should examine. Um, but I'm gonna move on. So listen, Christian, I wanna talk to you a little bit. Um, what I think is interesting about your organization is you have to deal with gay people from Generation Z to Millennials to X, to boomers, all I would imagine uh, talking about their experience and coming out, which I'm sure was wildly different throughout those generations, and then wanting policies that will, um, you know, promote the LGBTQ community. How do you deal with um, that wide of a range of generations of people describing their experience and then telling you, here's what I want you to do? Oh boy, so um, Garden State Equality tries to be an organization for everyone in our community. And I think we've done a really good job of working with young people who use terminology that older generations may not use and vice versa. Um, and at the end of the day, you, you want everyone to know that your intent is to be respectful. If a word is used by a young person that offends an older person, we ask the older person to understand why the younger person is using that term or that identity and vice versa. If an older person is using a word and a younger person disagrees with that word saying it's not inclusive enough, then we try to let the older adult know that this person is using it for this reason and educate them um, and, and let them know that they're coming from a good place. So I have to jump on that for a second, Christian, because I identify, I'm 43, I came out in the 90s, and I very, very much identify as a lesbian. I don't identify, well, lesbian or gay. You can use either one of those inter interchangeably to me. I'm proud to be called either one. No issues there. 
Um, it's queer when people, so sometimes when I'm doing interviews, people are like queer, they identify me as queer and not, sometimes I correct it, sometimes I don't. Um, and then I got a little scolded by somebody that, that lesbian was not uh, inclusive enough. And my position was, this is how I identify. I don't, I, you know, I don't know what to say. I identify as a gay or a lesbian. Um, and I don't mind if other people identify as queer, obviously. However you identify, those are the words that you should use. But um, requesting that I identify as queer, which is never, I mean, I identify as a dyke more than queer, um, was puzzling to me. I, I just, I, I don't ever identify as queer. That was never a word used positively and nor was dyke. Dyke was never used positively either, but there was a re reclaiming of that in, in generations near me where we kind of, you know, the dyke march and we took that back, but queer was never something I ever identified with. Yeah, and, and you should, uh, people should respect whatever identity that you choose. Um, to use, and when I mean choose, I mean the term lesbian, gay, not that you chose to be a lesbian. Uh, you chose to be identified as a lesbian. Um, it, it, our, this, is not, this is not something new, right? And you, you mentioned gay and lesbian. There was a time when there were at least a, a group of women who said, don't call me gay, I'm a lesbian. They would be offended if you called them gay. Right. Um, and, and now we're seeing that with different identities. What, and, and there's so many, there's so many more identities, and we talk a, a lot about, you know, LGBTQ, uh, IA plus. Um, what I what I cherish most is that we are a community that is ever evolving to be more inclusive. Right, it's okay to add more stripes to our flag, as long as people feel more included. Although we got a lot of shit for the crosswalk, Christian. We got a lot of shit for the crosswalk. But we have to stay rooted in why we do that. And we do that so that more people feel included. And of, and of all people in the world, LGBTQ people know what it feels like to be alone. Because long, long before you come out, for many people, you think you're the only one in the world that feels that way. At least that's when I was young. It was hard to see other examples of people like me now with YouTube, Netflix, like, you know, it's every, every show now seems like they have a gay character, thank goodness. But uh, there's still a sense of loneliness, I think that comes with the LGBTQ identity. Uh, and so when our folks are upset about the black and brown stripe or about flying a transgender flag or inc incorporating the transgender colors into the rainbow flag, let's just stay rooted in, we wanna be the most inclusive community as possible. Because that's and where I, absolutely, and I want to be clear when I make the joke about we we took a lot of grief. Like the city put the black and brown stripes on the crosswalk because they should be there, right? Because they should be there. And when we refresh it, we're going to add the transgender colors in the crosswalk. I will talk to DPW. <laughs> I will talk to DPW. Um, and uh, and I, and I love I love that's there. And I, Amy, you were on council. We didn't really know each other that well, but. Um, Asbury really should claim that they were the first municipality in the state to paint a rainbow crosswalk. I don't think we were. I think Maplewood was. 2014, we painted the rainbow crosswalk at the other crosswalk location next to where the current one is. But it had to be oh. power washed off 
because there we didn't really have like the city's permission. It was like the city manager at the time. <laughs> oh, is that David Hoff when David Hoffman painted the? Um... I think he was. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so technically, Asbury was the first, except it wasn't the first permanent one. It was one that uh, we used paint from Home Depot and then had to power wash it off um, <laughs> while the traffic was still going by. <laughs> that is hysterical. Um, so Christian, you've touched on this a little bit. Um, I think, you know, it's a topic where we've been discussing, um, you know, with a lot of our guests and how to be better allies to the, uh, Black Lives Matter movement in, within the LGBTQ community and, and ways that we can do that. And, and, um, I know the city's thinking about ways to, in terms of creating policy, we actually, um, literally just disbanded um, uh, our uh, street crimes unit to make it a quality of life unit and then requiring um, body cams, which previously it was a street crimes unit with no body cams. To me, I just feel like every, who does, if you're doing your job, who doesn't want a body cam, right? Because that will clear you of whatever somebody's assumed you've done. Um, so putting, we are, had already had a pretty extensive body cam program in the Asbury Park Police Department um, and a number of members of the LGBTQ community in the Asbury Park Police Department and a number of lovely members of the LGBTQ community. Connie, who, um, you know, raise, ra raises gifts and money for thousands upon thousands of families and Ada and a number of people um, in the Asbury Park Police Department. But I think it would... Um, I think we all want to start being better allies and work towards better policy um, that is in support of the Black Lives Matter movement. So as, there's such a there's such a great divide in Asbury between the West Side and the East Side. This is this has long been an issue of this city. And I'd like to think that uniquely places us to be able to be a leader in what communities across the state should be doing to lift up uh, black and brown communities. Uh, first disclaimer, you know, here I am, cisgendered white male having this conversation. So, you know, I'm gonna make, make uh, uh, I'm gonna make a, a, a dinner out of what we have to serve here, but we should absolutely have black voices on here to answer this question and to hear from them what they need so I'm just going to say, you know, that we have the op unique opportunity here in Asbury Park to be a leader and to um, uh, be the first to enact a lot of different changes that um, are, are spearheaded by communities that have long felt like they don't have a seat at the table within our city. Um, and... Is that a challenge? Yes. Is that something that, you know, maybe we wish uh, as white people, that some white people that we didn't have to deal with in Asbury? Sure, but these are, these are difficult challenges that can lead to a better world. And so I'm up for the task of, of hearing what needs to be done and doing more listening than talking and, um, you know, maybe, maybe questioning why, uh, some laws are the way they are and who enacted them in the first place. Um, and, and we have such a, a great makeup in the city with, with a, a, with a history that 
positions us to make a lot of change. If, if, if Asbury was a, a white town, then we wouldn't be able to do that. But we have really passionate folks here who are really, who are willing to step up and make these important changes, including, you know, city council. Uh, you, I, I've seen a lot of changes taking place over the last few weeks. And I say, I say, you know, double down and, 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 and do more and, and step out and, 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 uh, and show the rest of the state how it's done right. Uh, and I think you've, you know, done a really good job of moving in that direction. And I commend you on that because this is no easy task, but I, I say, go even, go even further. Like let's, let's do it here in Asbury park. That's what, that's why people love our city because we value and uplift diversity and, and we, we question the norm. So Amy, we should have a uh, next episode. What is the city doing? Or maybe that's beyond the scope of this. Uh, yeah. So listen, the city's doing a number of things. Well, we're, 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 we've already implemented the police with the police department, some policies that we think are going to help. We're going to create a human relations commission slash human rights commission um, that we hope will start to address, um, you know, some of the inequities that I think have really been illustrated throughout this pandemic. You know, we had Sancha Gray on uh, who's the superintendent in schools here. Um, really describing, you know, the virtual inequities that exist in Asbury Park. And, um, you know, so I think, I think it starts with the dialogue and then figuring out how to create policy, right? I can only create policy, right? And, and I need votes to do that. So, and I need buy-in from whatever department I'm creating that policy in, whether it's the police department or fire department or code or construction or whatever it is. So, so I think it, we start it with a dialogue and then we, we try to figure out how to create policy from it. The one thing I will say on a, on a state level is it's helpful when there's kind of uniform policy throughout. So for example, right now there's a bill, you know, um, requiring municipalities to have a civilian review board. And if that passes in Trenton and gets through the legislature, um, that makes it a lot easier for a municipality to implement a civilian review board. Um, if it doesn't, it's more difficult to deal with the complexities. I'm not saying it can't be done. It clearly can. Um, um, successfully, I don't know. You, you know, sometimes those the review boards aren't, aren't super duper successful. So anyway, so I think it's about, a, so from a, a, a city council perspective, it usually starts with the dialogue. It starts with a couple of people sitting around and figuring out how we can create policy based on that dialogue that will um, um, bring about more equity within the city. So for example, affordable housing, as Barry's touted and rightfully so, not having any sort of affordable housing um, element and then creating um, probably the most progressive affordable housing policy in New Jersey voluntarily. Right, so Spring Lakes, like I don't want any affordable housing. We're gonna fight you every way, every step of the way. Um, and Asbury's like, well, we don't even need to create any, but we're going to make you all create developers create it. So um, I think it's similar. I think it's similar, maybe a little bit more complicated in terms of reforming. You know, people keep saying defund the police, which really isn't accurate. It's really about reallocating um, funds to the police department. Um, and putting those funds into mental health services, housing, other services. So 
listen, I think I, I've said this before, everything's on the table in Asbury in terms of policy. And, and if we can create good policy that is going to help all of the um, different factions of Asbury Park, we'll create it. And you, met, and you mentioned the, um, what is, it was called the street teams unit, the- Street crimes unit. And now that's the- uh, Quality of life. Yeah, so like that's such a great step. And, and for some folks when they say abolish the police, reform police, you know, that's what they mean. For some folks when they say abolish, abolish the police, they're like, did I stutter? Um, but, you know, I think, I think it's, uh, you know, I, I think that the systems need to change. And so that's a really good positive example of how you took a street crimes unit and you're turning it into quality of life. And, 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 I'm, and I'd hope that, you know, like you think about the way that those officers are present in the communities. I know not everybody in town has had a positive experience with uh, uh, the law enforcement um, but I also see some really strong relationships between law enforcement and the local community that I don't see in other cities around the state. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And, and, you know, having sat on, on, on some committees within the attorney general's office, like Asbury does a really good job of going beyond like the coffee with cops programs that exist. Like it's, it, it, you, you, you all have done a great job of improving those relationships, um, you know, beyond just like the, the, the kind of like cheesy uh, 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 sit down and have pizza with an officer, you, you take that so much further. And I've seen even some videos online of, of, of some great interactions with the local community and the, and the law enforcement in town. And so I think like figuring out like what has worked well, because there are some really positive experiences in Asbury and trying to like multiply that uh, and uh, improve, improve, improve the relationships. I think, you know, also, a different type of policing needs to take place on the west side than it does on the east side, especially on Friday and Saturday nights, right? Like you get a lot of jerks that come into town and aren't the locals. They don't respect this city. They break things. They defecate on things. They could care less about Asbury Park thriving. They are just here to get a high, to have a bunch of drinks. Um, and those folks, you know, need to be taken care of and handled uh, appropriately. Yeah, we've actually thought about doing like a night court where we would, we would. Yeah. Yeah. And actually Danny Harris, um, who's a community activist in Esbury Park was, and Dwayne Small, we're, we're two people who, who put on our radar, do a night court to deal with those people um, on, on Cookman Ave, which I think is, is also something where assessing can we can we kind of pull that together um but yeah no you're right the the disrespect from the out-of-towners for um parts of asbury is you know horrifying they need to be they need to be taken care of uh, appropriately and uh and uh that's different than the policing that's needed for the community for the people that live here for the folks that we see every single day like those are different types of relationships uh, and, uh, and so I, I look forward to seeing like how those programs develop further and, and Garden State Equality is, is happy to be a part of that. But it, you know, it's such, this town is so unique. How many cities have, uh, you know, thousands of people that come in on the weekend and behave that way versus the people that live and shop in the communities every single day. It's just, it's very different. And so we can set examples there. 
And we, my son is going to be home at 6.30, Christian. So I'm, it's now 6.31. So I have to ask you three questions that we ask everybody, Joe, unless, you, unless you're squeezing in one. Because we didn't um, get through. I had three pages of one questions that I No, I, I mean, I, I was happy to be a spectator for most of this conversation. So don't, don't worry about it. The only okay. thing I was going to say is that, you know, I did get a, a video before this of Cory Booker calling uh, Christian the, one of his favorite leaders in America. And, I, and I'm wondering, you know, after that, do you, does that, does that go on your card? Like I would, I would hang that on my wall. You know, it's like, well, I'm one of Cory Booker's favorite leaders in America. I thought that was a great. It was on his Twitter, uh, Cory Booker's Twitter. Uh, and from pride, I think last year. And, uh, um, but anyway, I just thought that was a, a, a great, um, I wanted to put it at the beginning. It's like, you know, uh, you know, welcome Christian, one of the, uh, Cory Booker's favorite leader in America. So I wanted to at least get that part in before we finish, but that, you know, that's it. Joe, I, I appreciate that. Um, we're so lucky to have a leader like Cory Booker represent the state of New Jersey. Um, I think New Jersey is, is, is a, a special place too. I'm a little biased. I, I lived in New York City for eight years and uh, Jersey brought me back. Um, and so I have, a, I have a same place in my heart for the state that I do for Asbury Park. Um, and, you know, honestly, I just, I want to thank, I know you have three questions coming, Amy, but I want to thank both of you for having this podcast because like these conversations and, and this community is what makes this city so special. And uh, it's really an honor to be a part of it. And sorry for talking so much, Joe, I, I, I would, I would like to hear more from you and, and learn more from you. Uh, Not during no, 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 this no, podcast, no. Joe, because we're at 60 minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. Like that, I, you know, I think this was a great conversation. Like, you know, so I, I'm, you know, uh, so I was just uh, ordinarily with Amy, I'll trot all over her conversation. So that it was sort of a, I'm happy to, yeah. So, it was a good improvement for me to keep quiet for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Christian, favorite movie? My favorite movie is probably, oh, these are the questions you should have sent in yes. advance. I should have sent them in advance. It stumps advance. everybody. Movie stumps a lot. Well, a lot of people didn't stump. Like Diane Shelton had it. Sancha Gray was Malcolm mm -hmm. X. Mm -hmm. uh, it stumps some people. It doesn't stump. It never stumps me because mine's always Bound, which was like <laughs> one of the very first like lesbian films that I literally dropped out of college because I kept going to see it so many times. Then I rented it from, I don't know, West Coast Video or whatever, whatever video store. Didn't return it. And that shit stayed on my credit report for like 20 years. <laughs> Who send knows to, to Bound on that one? Send it to Gina Kirshen. <laughs> Jennifer Tilly be like dude are you fixing my credit because bitches I'm still paying for this all right sorry Christian favorite movie I, I I love so many movies but when I was younger my favorite movie was the Shawshank Redemption and it just stuck with me so I'm gonna go with that but I, you know I've I've enjoyed so many movies in my life I hate having to choose one okay favorite tv show Oh gosh! Can you give me an easy question? A favorite TV show? Um, this week. This week. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This week. Yeah. I mean, it's it's been really it's been really hard to like see Modern Family come to an end. I really enjoyed that show and in, in so many so many of the firsts it had. I loved Will, Will and Grace coming back on the air and and wish that it, it could could have continued a little bit longer the second time around. Some really great lessons on the show that I think they illustrated well. Um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna go out on the on the limb here and say. The Good Wife and The Good Fight are an incredible show. If you haven't good seen Good Wife, them. I liked. I don't know that I saw Good Fight, but Good Wife, I liked. Oh, you will like The Good Fight even better because they are, uh, you know, critiquing this world that we're living in and 
Uh, it's still a legal drama, but it, it, it kind of takes apart uh, what the current administration is doing in DC. And favorite book? Oh gosh. Um, so, I mean, Between the World and Me is a, a good one that I've, I've, I've read recently. Um, you know, lifting up just like black authors. If you, if you go to Barnes and Noble, which we can't right now physically, but I, I just, I admire how many um, queer authors there are that are on like the front shelf as soon as you walk in. One of my first experiences, like, I guess being out was going to a bookstore and searching for an LGBTQ book so that I could read more about people like me. And when I picked up the book and went to go bring it over to the counter, my hands began sweating and I was shaking out of control because I was so nervous to hand the cashier this book, which is like ridiculous that I had to have go through those set of emotions. But um, so it's, it's nice to see that there are so many authors available for young LGBTQ people now. Nice. All right, Christian, if people want to donate to Garden State Equality, where do they go? If they'd like to make a donation, which I would love, you can go to gardenstateequality.org. Um, we're going to be having a digital equality walk in October. So um, that's another opportunity to fundraise and get your friends involved. Um, and, you know, we always do one of those here in Asbury Park. So uh, we're going to be doing it online this year and look forward to the Asbury Park community participating. Cool. Thanks, Christian. Thank you, Christian. I appreciate you uh, joining us today. It's great. Thank you for having me.